For some weeks now, I've noticed a bit of a switch in energy for myself. Some to the positive and some to the negative. And I thought tonight I would record something that at least put my headspace out there on something that a lot of people don't like to talk about. And I know it's going to sound a little heavy, but bear with me, okay? So I'm going to attempt to talk a little bit about existential dread. I know, I can already hear people going, I don't want to hear this one. This, This is not what I'm about. But let me go ahead and jump into this. Hi there. I'm Mario the Artisan Rogue, and you're listening to Radio 74. This is a podcast I do about the thoughts that reside in my head. Some of them are aligned with artwork and creative endeavors, and some of them are about mental health. This is kind of really leaning into the whole mental health thing. So the other day I was in a therapy session with my therapist, of all people, and we got to talking about the future and things just in general. You know, like, I don't know for any of you that go through therapy what your sessions may be like, but for mine, I tend to carry them very much as a conversational, open book, no holds barred, unfiltered sort of faction for my mind to just be able to have some sort of you know, just release that I can count on. And the thing that came up was the idea of the future. Okay. So I, first I want to preface this by saying that for the most part, I don't really think too much about the future. I know that sounds really strange. I don't know how many of you do, but sometimes for myself, it's been one of those things where when I think about the future, there's so much uncertainty. And it manifests in everything from thinking about the environment to my professional career to people I know. Will I know these people in the future? How does my relationship change with them to, you know, facing the very real factor of, you know, the aspect of the mortal coil, like just myself getting older, uh, people I care about and I know getting older and accepting the fact that someday people will leave. And not because we had a crappy argument on Facebook, but because they're just not here anymore. And when that sort of stuff is what I'm focusing on, when it comes rolling in like that, that's probably fairly normal for most people, right? And um, and, and, and so from that angle, I can completely understand, because as you get older, there is a sort of existential dread that should start to... That probably does should and not that I'm saying it should manifest. I know plenty of people that are just as young and lively in their seventies and eighties as they would have been in their forties and they don't even think about it. And I honestly don't think about that that much for myself. I mean, there's times whenever I'm like, you know, my knees hurt, skateboarded, did security too long. My back goes out sometimes. Um, I hate my sciatic nerve, you know, <laughs> all of these kind of things, but there's something else there. There's a thing that I start to think about, and I've talked about this in a few other episodes prior in season four, where I talked about legacy, memories, what we leave behind, all of that stuff. And, you know, I I think I was pretty, um, oh, I want to say that I, I, I think I approached those with the most transparency for myself that I could at that time, you know? And, And in this case, it's something where, This thought process about existential dread came about because on TikTok, there was an artist, and I'm not going to name any names or any handles, none, because don't want to, you know, call anyone out. But this individual decided that they were going to go ahead and close their Etsy store. And uh, they 
they were very, very skilled at what they did. Um, you know, and, and they had a a really good amount of sales on their on their store. And um, but they the reason that they went ahead and did that was that they had posted another video that they. I don't think the term is stitching. Duetted, I guess. Maybe it is stitching. I'm not sure. Either way, it shows them, their reaction to this other person and their narrative in their video. And it was talking, it was a younger person, a very young millennial, who was saying that, what was the point of trying to build a business, you know, or make plans or dreams for the future when today seemed just as bleak as what tomorrow would be? That the mundanity of life was bringing them down that the very very core basis of who they were and what they could be was delineated by a very limited scope now i'm a kid of the 70s 80s and 90s i always say that because i was born in the 70s very much raised in the 80s and crash landed into a lot of cool things in the 90s namely graduating from high school and uh because of that, it was a very weird time for me. I was raised by parents in a military family. And, you know, th there was always this old adage because the, the ideology from anyone born in the 40s and 50s was, if you work hard enough, you can attain anything you want to get. You can buy a house for $4,000. You can buy a brand new car for $1,000. And you can retire at the age of 55 or 45 or whatever the hell it was, if you even live that long. I mean... I think the modern American breakfast pretty much guaranteed you'd die at 56. So, um, I mean, seriously, have you seen old photos of that stuff? It's like orange juice and bacon and pancakes and toast and real butter and milk and, and cheese. And just if you eat that now, oh, my, I know I couldn't do it. There's no way. Not even when I was younger could I really deal with that. But so there was this this whole American dream, this Norman Rockwell-esque sort of aspect that existed, right? And you end up growing up with that. Now, I'm going to be very frank on a couple of things I'm about to say. So I'm hoping this doesn't like piss anybody off. But I'm going to be very real about this. There, I, the only example I can use is this to get to cut to the quick and really be very honest about this. So when we moved here to Missouri, I was um, I think I was just in the I was in my freshman year. Yeah, I was in my freshman year of high school. So I went two years to Knob Noster, Missouri. And then two more years to Warrensburg, Missouri. And then after that, I went to a couple of different colleges, graduated from CMSU. During that time, the big place you wanted to go work at was Hallmark. And I remember taking a tour, seeing stuff, all this other things. Needless to say, years later, I did end up being employed there multiple times, off and on, contractual, full-time, yada, yada. But this isn't any sort of avenue to trash on Hallmark at all. What this is, is me being very candid about the fact that there is a there is very much this thing that people have expectations of you right for the most part i think some of it could be born and bred of ignorance some of it could be born and bred of true hope for somebody and concern for them i think that anybody who was born in the 40s or 50s had this idea that you could go in and with a firm handshake you could you could lock down a job. You could do all of these things. I mean, I did it. Why can't you? And the generational gap proved that through the tumultuousness of the 70s, the late 60s, and a lot of what started happening in the 80s early on, especially in the Reagan first Reagan administration, 
there was a lot of things broken. There were a lot of things that we could see in the long run were probably not going to work out very well. And from a socioeconomic standpoint, from an emotional standpoint for a lot of people, for a family standing, cultural, you name it, there was a plethora of different things, variables of all kinds that came to play. And so when I went to school, I was like, all I got to do is just make it through this four-year college, you know, and uh, I'll be fine. Won't be a big deal, right? It'll be okay. Sorry about that. There was a message that came in on my phone. Um, so when, and when that happened, I remember thinking to myself, you know what? Okay. So once I get out, where am I going to go? What am I going to do? Am I going to become an illustrator? Am I going to do this? Am I going to do that? My first job right out of college was an illustration gig at a small little charitable gaming company. It's called Gerodo. And, um, and I weathered that. It went pretty well. I made some, I made friends and acquaintances with people that, um, I stayed in contact with for years and got some good experience out of it. I also got fired from that job. And, uh, for a very snarky email, I sent the CEO terrible. And I'm probably going to admit to a lot of things that if anyone that hires or does contractual work is like, Oh God, who is this guy? But the point I'm making is that, you know, when I got that job, I was like, all right, I made it. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to be here for the next 30 years. I'm going to retire. Let's see what's happening. You know, I just, you know, and it, for anyone that's worked in a corporate environment, you move into your desk. And when I mean you move into your desk, you're bringing tchotchkes from home. You, you go to Target and you're like, this lamp will look good at my desk. I would never buy this for my own home, but this is going to look great at my desk. And I have no problem with people that do things like that. But it wasn't me. I did it only because other people were doing this. Now, bear with me. This is getting around to the whole existential dread thing, right? Like, we, like that's somewhere we all want to head right now. And for every job after that, I was sure that this was the job. This was going to be the pinnacle that was going to help me get through. And I'm like, I can retire from here. Or I'm going to put my all. I'm going to put 110% into this and really do everything in the world I can to make this work. It didn't play out that way. And I've worked a multitude of places, all kinds done all kinds of jobs from security to car detailing from, <laughs> oh man, from working with cattle to, you know, ah, geez, just working design to like, just you name it, man. I've worked on farms, on ranches, on, in, in manufacturing and in construction for a while. Um, just all kinds of crazy places. And at the end of it all, through all of those things, there were some jobs I left because they were just intolerable. There were some jobs I got let go from either because I said something wrong or because the job simply ended and businesses were downsizing or bad decisions were made somewhere else. And all along the way, I kept thinking, I'm going to hold my head up high. I'm going to take my knowledge and everything I have, and I'm going to keep going for that Norman Rockwell-esque sort of portrait of the American job in the distance. It's fuzzy as hell. It looks like a Bigfoot picture. But I know it's there. Dare I say, I think I had faith at that time. Not the religious kind, like faith in myself, you know, as a creative, as a professional. And so because of that, I never let myself think about it too much. Fast forward to just a few hours earlier, and there's this video by this young lady who is a younger millennial. And she makes it a point that she doesn't know what to do. That for a lot of people her age, she would assume that they're not even sure that tomorrow will ever come. They're not sure that it's going to be there in any form that they will ever recognize. 
They're so unsure of everything. What does this mean? How much power will companies have over us? Are we truly becoming, just for the lack of a better term, the equivalent of a packet of seeds to be sown, reaped, and utilized for whatever resources? That's terrifying. That's almost Matrix-level sort of stuff. You know, art imitating life. And the more she spoke, it was only about a minute-long video, the more I began to understand that for a lot of people, because I immediately felt the same way. Now, understand, I'm lucky right now that I have a small but growing freelance business, and I have some opportunities that I enjoy immensely. But I do often sit there and think to myself, what is the end game? What will this be like? What does 20 years down the road look for me? What is that? You know, I don't know how many of you may think about that, but that is a constant thing that happens. Now, I say that and I don't mean that to drag anyone down. I don't mean that. I mean, truthfully, there are things that I I'm ambivalent about. I think to myself like, well, I'm not the best business person in the world. I don't always have the best concept of um, spending money or budgeting or, you know, whatever. But at the exact same time, I also struggle, and this is probably on a more important level, that can be argued, but from a creative standpoint, I've dealt with writer's block, um, lack of creativity when it comes to certain ideas or just working through a project or something, things that are very much my own, that are very personal, very private, you know, that I someday want to release. Um, that happened with the abrupt ending of my comic book, Pagan Zoetrope, and I kind of walked myself into a corner and because of a lot of things I was going through, I just stopped and it never really did pick up again. And I've struggled now recently to try and rekindle it. And I very much earlier this year was like, no, for certain, I'm going to have that issue done and I'll, and I'm going to finish that first story arc and I'm struggling again. But I think it's because, no, in fact, I know that it's because there's a limiting factor that is like a shadow on top of me. I'm not quite capable of seeing what the reason is to finish it and that's scary isn't it i mean is is that something that's ever happened to you guys where maybe you're thinking about something you're like well, what is the point of this if i do this is there an end game is there a, a real reason for this in the long run and this isn't to get anyone depressed so this is not my goal i hope i'm not depressing you guys on this i really hope i'm not but I just wanted to have a very open discussion, at least from my side. And if I was really bold about this, I would have gone live on Twitch or done this live on YouTube. But the point is, it worried me, this person that I didn't know. There was just a video that was shared by this other creator. And listening to the hopelessness, the fear, the, the insecurity, and probably just the lack of empathy for their own future was so sad but it also mirrored exactly how i feel some days and without getting too political there are plenty of politicians that wield way too much power and i don't think they're quite cognizant of what their long-term actions really mean for the general population and I have to believe that because I refuse to believe that anyone could be so coherently just mollifyingly just horrible 
Because one would think that if you have the responsibility of the constituents that got you there, that you would do something, anything, most things, to rectify what is wrong, to improve life, to make it better. Right? I mean, sometimes it takes somebody being a rebel and doing something crazy, just like the guy, I think it's in Glasgow. Um, there was a pothole problem in this one town. And this guy, he I can't remember the name. I think he called himself Spanksy, which was like a knockoff of the artist Banksy. Well, he didn't like the potholes in the town, so he went around spraying giant penises around them. I mean, I, I would imagine that then the Department of Transportation was like, you know, they well, crap, there's giant penises on these things. We might as well fill them up while we're out here and scrub the asphalt. I mean, I guess that's one way to go about it, you know. Um, not like I've entertained that idea around this town at all. But the point is, is that, you know, sometimes it takes thinking a little bit more radically and trying to see what promise does exist in the future. I remember whenever I had mentored some kids, you know, over the years. And in fact, the last couple of ones were just a few months ago. Um, you know, people who had just gotten out of college, people, some one or two that had gotten out of high school and they were just like looking for, you know, input and like, God, I just, I want to be an animation. I want to be an artist. I want to be all these other things. And there's a weird place that I go with that because a part of me is like, I want to temper their expectation. Right. But then there's another part of me and at Hallmark, they used to call them blue sky dreamers. I think is what they call them or blue sky individuals. I don't know. I, I don't even remember now, but basically people just that you know, the, the, the whole pie in the sky, there's no limitation budget. Screw that. doesn't matter. Uh, let's just think of the grandest thing we possibly can. And we're going to see if we can't make that work. You know, there's a part of me that wants to tell everyone that like, you know what? As long as you believe in you, as long as you, it doesn't even matter what sort of materials or medium you have. It doesn't matter. As long as you're good, as long as you believe in yourself, you can go anywhere. You can do anything. And I thought to myself, this is not a goddamn after school special, man. Like on some level, I have to be realistic with these people. I know that I temper my own expectations about a lot of what I want to do. Not just because, you know, I'm on in my years, but also because of the fact that the reality is, uh, time is a bandit, you know, it really is when you're not looking, it's just taking that time from you. And uh, there, there's some points where I go, you know, there's only so many things I can do now. And that's fine because there's still quite a few things. I mean, every day I wake up, I try and remember that. But there are days when I have those low points and those low moments. I'm like, oh, well, am I really going to get this done? And I think that the whole existential dread thing happening at an earlier and an earlier age starts to set people up for wild and very disappointing sort of failure. And it's something that I fear about myself all the time. I don't know about you guys, but there are days whenever I'm like, am I actually really going to make a difference with the stuff I'm creating? Is anything I'm doing right now going to make an impact on anyone that I want to entertain or, sh you know, show stuff to or display things with this? Does anything I say even matter? I mean, from, you know, a nihilist standpoint, one could look at it and go, there have been billions of lives billions of people's opinions that have been voiced and they're just literally fossils or dust in the wind. 
I mean, that's it. That That's truly it. For the few great ones we know, the Van Goghs, the, the Teslas, the people like that, you know, that um, we learn about, that we discover, that we, um, in school or through museums or whatever, you know, there were other people similar to them, like them, that fell by the wayside and will never get their due diligence or their time in the spotlight. And this isn't about finding time in the spotlight, but this is about how do you make your own time count? How do you make it worthwhile? And I think that the one thing I can take away from that is this. I have no guarantees that any story, any book, or anything else I ever create in life will ever really mean anything to the great masses, right? I, I, I can't say that I know that. I mean, I think Rodin the sculptor died penniless, you know? And unfortunately, especially in the creative field, there's an ideology that exists, and it's very commonplace. If you've ever worked an art show or done any kind of show, there's this idea that, you know, artists love to starve to death, evidently, right? Or that you shouldn't charge that much for your artwork because you, well, you do it anyway. You did it for free right now, and I've seen this sort of thing. Um, so why don't you just give it to me? Um, no. <laughs> and... All of those sort of things can start to add up into things. Maybe maybe your dream is an art. Maybe your dream is you really want to become somebody in politics that can represent the underrepresented or the marginal or the marginalized. You know, anything like that. Maybe there's some other things you do that are just as important. But because of the way that, for the lack of a better term, media and the world at large has presented the lack of importance, but at the exact same time, the importance of manufactured um, presence online makes it really hard to disseminate that, to separate the two. Because it's almost like that quote where um, it's Mr. Incredible and the Incredibles. I know I brought this up. If you've been listening to the show for any time, it's one of my favorite quotes, and I'm probably going to mess it up right now. But essentially, it's him and Mrs. Incredible arguing, right? And he's talking about, and she's like, you know, because he had just come back late uh, from getting a light workout. And uh, th basically, the whole scene plays out where they get into an argument over the fact that, you know, Dash is graduating from one grade to the other. And he's like, you know, it's insane. He's literally moving, I think, from the from the fourth grade to the fifth grade or the fifth grade to the sixth grade. He was like, it's 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 psychotic. And she's like, it's a celebration. He's like, no, he was like, they just find new ways to celebrate mediocrity. But if you're truly exceptional, you can't do anything. And, you know, and then she calls him out and says, you know, this is this is about you. This isn't about Dash. And he, and he was like, you know, if you want, do you want Dash to be, you know, to excel? You know, then let him do what he needs to do. And it's the whole idea that they have to kind of hold back everything. If you haven't seen the movie, go watch. I can't recommend the second Incredibles, but the first Incredibles is really good. Um, it's a great scene. Look it up on YouTube right now. I'll even wait. I'm not going to wait. And so whenever that scene plays out, it's great. It's fantastic, right? Because it's talking about the idea that we've... It's one of my favorite scenes because it goes to show that you have a lot of people that really don't understand empathy or interaction or even their own place in life. 
for themselves. And I'll ca and I'll cap that off by saying that this creative, all the way back from the beginning I was talking about, was on TikTok. He had a person that would comment on them. And this other person had about 100K followers or so, from what I remember. And they were mad because I believe even though they had 100K followers or so, their Etsy store wasn't doing so great. And they decided to, you know, drop some bad vibes, some bad energy on the original posters uh, video because they said, you know, closing my Etsy store. And they were like, what's wrong with you? You have hundreds of sales. Send some of that stuff my way if you're going to close down, right? Which is pretty crappy. It really is. And probably didn't make that person feel any better about this existential dread they're feeling. This really bad zone. And a comment was made by the other person who was being rude saying, well, how was I supposed to know that this person was going through anything bad? How would I know? Read the room. Read the comments. Literally. Read the comments. That's the part that really made me upset about that. Because we don't know what kind of problems other people are going through. Not unless we ask and not unless they're willing to share. And armed with that knowledge, I try and remind myself every single day that a smile, a good notion, a note, just saying hi can help somebody through the day, can maybe take that edge off of that existential dread that I believe a lot of us are feeling. I don't have an answer. I don't. I wish I did. But I do think that if we are able to understand how we feel and be honest with ourselves, it will be a much better future for everybody. And maybe I'm sounding a little bit, um, I don't know, hippy-dippy or super positive, you know, Pollyanna, whatever you want to call it. I don't give a shit. <laughs> there needs to be more positivity in this world. And uh, I hope that um, I hope it comes sooner than later. I hope it really happens. Thanks for listening, guys. This has been episode one of season five. I will have more podcasts coming up covering similar and other sorts of things. I've got some cool ones coming up about art soon. Uh, thank you so much for listening. I sincerely appreciate it. You can find me on all kinds of social media from Instagram to YouTube to Facebook to my own website at www.theartistandrogue.com. You can also find me on other little places like TikTok, which I just found out today. This is a total trip. I haven't updated TikTok in a while. Like I, I try to push quality content, but I don't do a lot of content. And they added me to the testing zone for the three-minute videos. I was like super excited. I'm like, what? I haven't done anything. This is great. Considering this morning was whole, totally crap for other reasons. But um, this has been really fun to figure. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a lot of fun figuring out the whole three-minute thing. And like I, I got so used to having 59 seconds. I got to edit this in 59 seconds. I got literally three minutes to play around with on, on TikTok. I don't even know what to do. I kind of want to just post a video where I'm just staring. But that, that, that's like so cliche. But now it kind of opens up more things that I could put on there. Um, one of my most popular videos on there was coffee or feelings. 
um, which is my first short film that I put on there that I did about myself. It's silly and stupid, but people seem to like it. Anyway, I'm rambling. Good God, let me end this episode right now. Thanks for listening, guys. I will catch you in the next episode.